Why are you guys so far away? Don't you want to come closer? Come on, are you shy? Well, my name is Jared, and I'm all the way from heaven. <laughs> Amen. Well, before I begin to preach, we have some wonderful news to share with you. Uh, our ministry has been going since 2002, and we came to America four years ago, and we've been doing public school outreaches, but the Lord spoke to me to start doing crusades here in Orange County. Amen. So our first crusade is going to be the end of June. It's going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be myself and two other evangelists. The two other evangelists, uh, on the Friday night, it's going to be Bill Weiss. Have you heard of him? 23 minutes in hell. He literally went to hell for 23 minutes. And uh, he came back. (laughs) The Lord didn't keep him there. And he literally travels the world sharing his testimony He's been to South Africa many times. Every church he preaches in in South Africa, they have record numbers of people coming. And I want to encourage you to bring your non-Christian friends to the crusade. Because that's really the success of a crusade is when the Christians bring their non-Christian friends. Amen? So it's not just a conference to bless us as Christians. It's really a tool designed to bring non-Christians here so that Bill can preach his, te- his testimony. And then on the Saturday night, we've got Ian McCormack. Do you guys know Ian? How many of you saw the Perfect Wave movie? Well, Ian McCormack is the person that uh, Scott Eastwood played. And Ian is going to be sharing his testimony on the Saturday night. He's coming from England, especially for this crusade. So I want to encourage you to buy his DVDs, which we're selling at the bookstore only five dollars each. Try to buy as many as you can, give it to your friends, and start to prepare them to come to the crusade. Amen. Uh, Ian's testimony is also in this little book called A Glimpse of Eternity, and the book, The 23 Minutes in Hell, will be here next weekend. Um, I also have some product, this uh, one-year Bible we sell in, only a dollar each. And then I preached a conference in South Africa, a 12,000-member church, an evangelism conference, and we recorded all the meetings. In fact, the director of the Perfect Wave actually directed all these services, uh, which was amazing. So it's really professionally done. Um, It's four DVDs or CDs. Make sure you get the correct one. Only $10 each. So we really want to encourage you to get that. And then one of my messages is called Reaching Your World, only $3 each, or you can get the CD version. Amen. Amen. Well, keep us in your prayers. We've got quite a few outreaches coming up. We've got uh, an outreach at Fullerton High School in in about two weeks' time, Uh, 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 an outreach at Esperanza High. And then I've been invited to partner with Fred Jordan Mission on Skid Row, downtown LA, and we're doing a Mother's Day outreach. Amen? Amen. There are going to be hundreds of homeless ladies with their children. I've been there many times. I've preached in their Christmas, or not Christmas, their Thanksgiving and Easter crusades, and it is the most heart-wrenching thing to see these homeless people with their kids literally living on the streets. So what we're going to be doing, we're going to be feeding them on the day. We're going to be giving them gifts. So if you move by the Lord to donate perfumes or, or whatever, I'm sure Pastor Tammy won't mind me asking you guys, um, bring whatever things women like. I don't know, I'm, I'm married, but I'm clueless, you know. 
Uh, I, I had to say, honey, you buy it and I'll pay for it. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Lucinda. She is eight months pregnant. <laughs> Baby's coming either next weekend or he's scheduled for, what, 18 May. So keep my wife in your prayers. Amen. Well, we were so blessed to have 31 members of Influence Church come to South Africa. How many of you came to South Africa? Shout hallelujah. Okay, just a few of you. The rest of you need to come next year. Amen? So start saving. So what we've done is we've prepared a, a six-minute promo video to show you what the team did in South Africa. If we can please roll that. We are on our way to the airport right now to fetch 31 of our American friends from Influence Church, which is in Anaheim Hills, California. And they're going to be spending the week with us going into the schools. So this is my first time in South Africa, so um, I'm not exactly sure what to expect, but it's definitely going to be an amazing experience. I think I'm most excited about the things that we're not expecting. Pastor Phil and Tammy, how are you feeling about being in Africa? Oh, it's fantastic. It's first time to South Africa, and we are so excited to be working with Save the World. The Spirit of God is all over this country, and we really anticipate God doing amazing things this week, both in our students and our church, as well as us being able to minister here in this country. church, I was anticipating just another mission trip. And I have to be honest with you, um, every country I have been in the world cannot compare to what I've experienced here in South Africa. Do you know the Bible says that when you're born again, that we're sisters and you're my brother. 
and we will be forever in eternity together. I think it's a recharging of our spiritual gauges to kind of remind us how important evangelism is and how neglected it is. And so what you need to do is now that you've asked Jesus into your heart, you need to say, Holy Spirit of God, I want you to use me to tell other people about the living water. On this trip, I've found a connection where I like actually feel his presence with me. Like I feel goosebumps when people talk about him. When the kids hug me, like I almost want to cry. And it's it's weird. Like I've never had that before. So I'm overcoming my fear of heights right now, and um, I'm not sure why I'm doing it. I think I just don't want to be left out of the situation and be that guy. So um, just going for it, I guess. We have nothing to lose. These people aren't struggling with if there's a God or if there's the devil. They're just struggling on whether they follow Jesus or not, guys. God gave us our bodies as a temple, and that we are to honor our bodies, and that also involves purity and um, not having sexual relations before marriage. And even if you guys have already had sex, make that decision, right? I'm going to, I'm going to start now, so. The game ranger said this is the first time this summer that he's seen Lion and Rhino together and he said it's a great blessing and we said yes, the Lord has really blessed us. It was cool that we got to see all of them and God just super blessed this day. so accepting they just want to hear God they're all yelling his name they just they just already like love him without really even knowing it seeing the gospel preached in such a large way where all the kids are responding and dedicating their lives to Christ has been it's just it's overwhelming it's humbling so right now it's break time and we are counseling dozens of kids every few minutes. It's so rewarding after our outreaches to hear our counselors share with us how these kids have opened their hearts, how they have been delivered, how their prayer sets people free. We as a group have encountered demonic forces like we've never encountered. We have kids on this trip that have never even seen demonic forces. But literally when a child says something they don't even know they said and it's in a voice that's not their voice, you know that there's demonic warfare. And I tell you that because the Spirit of God is hovering over this nation. There is a revival happening. God's hand is on this country. Isn't that amazing? 15,000 souls saved. Amen. We are in revival in South Africa. Amen. And how many agree revival's coming to Orange County? Are you ready? Say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Turn to your neighbor, say, God's going to use you. And then your other neighbor, God's going to use you. Amen. Well, I grew up as you, how many of you have never heard me preach before? You've been missing out your whole life, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> well, I grew up in a Jewish home in Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, I got saved when I was 20 years old. But thinking back, 
what really irritates me, and I'm trying to be as polite as possible, <laughs> what really irritated me when I got saved was the fact that no one ever reached out to me when I was a teenager. No one ever came to our school and did a play or preached the gospel. No evangelist came, no church came, no ministry came. No one ever invited me to their youth camp. No Christian at school ever shared the gospel one-on-one -on -one with me. And I believe that that is a crime. And let that never be said of you and I when we get to heaven that we never did everything we can in our power to reach out and preach the gospel. Amen? There is a God-given responsibility for each and every one of us. No one is exempt. Every one of us has been given what the Bible calls the ministry of reconciliation. So the job of reaching out and preaching the gospel is not just for evangelists, it's for everyone. Every boy, every girl, every man, and every woman that knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior is responsible for preaching the gospel. To your family, your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, when you're on a bus, when you're in a taxi, Preach to the taxi driver. He's not going anywhere. When you're on an airplane and you're sitting next to someone and you're going to Europe, you've got 10, 15 hours. They're not going anyone, anywhere, especially if it's a packed uh, place, a, a packed airplane. So we need to seize every opportunity to preach the gospel. Amen. In fact, when I got a few years ago, I was actually thinking, you know what? It's not right that those churches never reached out to me. In fact, I even seriously thought about it for a minute because I come from a Jewish upbringing and, you know, business is business. I thought, let me do, the American, let me do it the American way. I'm going to sue. And who am I going to sue? I'm going to sue the churches in the area where I grew up for gross incompetence and negligence that they never reached me for Jesus. I was going to hire the best Jewish lawyer money can buy. I was thinking a Christian lawyer, but I thought, you know, Christian lawyers are very compassionate. I need a ruthless Jewish lawyer. No mercy. He doesn't even need to be saved. And I, and he, I can just see it in my mind's eye. Forgive me, Ted, because Ted, Ted would have compassion on the pastors. Ted's a lawyer, so I couldn't use Ted or Doug you know, they're, they're too kind. I need a ruthless guy, you know. And, and we have all the pastors over there, and I'm sitting over there just smiling, and my Jewish lawyer gets up and says, don't you men of God believe your constitution? Yes or no? Yes, 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 yes. Well, doesn't your Bible say go into all the world and preach the gospel? And doesn't the head of the church, Jesus, the Son of God, say to you that if Someone dies without Jesus, they're going to go to hell. Yes, yes, yes. So you were prepared to let my client, Jared Davidoff, go to hell? That is why we are suing you for $100 million. It distressed him even thinking that he could have gone to hell. You caused my client major distress. Do you think I could be a good lawyer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we sue them for $100 million. We either use it for world evangelism or we might have to do the Christian thing, turn the other cheek forgive them. But I believe that we really seriously need to do everything we can as individuals and as a church 
to reach out and preach the gospel. That's why when we do this eternity crusade, we are going to put together salvation packs with the salvation book and hand deliver it to about 5,000 houses in the area. Let it never be said that we as individuals or a church or a ministry didn't do everything in our power to preach the gospel. In different places here in America and South Africa, I've done it on many occasions where we get a thousand salvation packs together with a, a salvation DVD and a gospel message written out like in letter form, me sharing how wonderful Jesus is, and we hand deliver it to all the homes in the community. I never want to get to heaven and have any regret. You know, there's a scripture in heaven. There's a scripture in heaven, there is. But there's a scripture in the Bible that says God will wipe away every tear. Now, I'm not sure what that exactly means. I just heard one preacher say those might be tears of regret. Knowing what we could have done on earth but didn't do it. And why didn't we do it? We were scared. We were afraid. We were fearful. But the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. And let me be honest. Almost every time I, I have to share the gospel one-on-one, I get scared. Myself, Jared. What are they going to think? What are they going to say? They're going to think I'm too extroverted. They're going to think who am I to tell them? But when all those thoughts come, you know whose voice that is? The devil. (laughs) But God's thoughts are holy. God's thoughts are pure. God's thoughts are righteous. God's words are filled with compassion and passion. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So I will listen to not man, No, no, I'm not listening to man. I'm not listening to the devil. I'm going to listen to the Lord. And the Lord says, go. Two-thirds of God's name is go. G-O-D, go. I think he's trying to tell us something. We need to go. God doesn't sit with the sitters. He goes with the goers. He moves with the movers. And if you will decide to do something for the Lord, I'm telling you, he will equip you with whatever you need. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He anoints you, he empowers you, he gives you favor, he gives you grace, he gives you power to do what is seemingly impossible. But with God, what seems impossible, with him, all things are possible. Amen. I went to a friend of mine's conference in Tampa and he he told this true story of what happened in Iraq a few hundred years ago. And it it seems like he made it up, but it's a true story. And I'm going to try and remember what he said exactly, but here it is. There was a town in Iraq and it was a Christian town and very prosperous because the Lord was blessing it. And most of Iraq is... Islam, Muslim, and one of their moms decided we, we want to take control of this town. So he went with his army and they went to the town and Islam gives you the opportunity to convert. So you have the opportunity to convert to Islam, but if you don't, you better run for your life or we kill you. So the imam told the leaders of this town 
we've given you 30 days. And after the 30 days, this is what I want to see accomplished. And he said, didn't your Jesus say, if you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt, it will happen? They all said, yes. Will you see that mountain over there? We are giving you 30 days to see that mountain removed. And if that mountain is removed in 30 days, we'll all convert to Christianity. But if it's not, you guys convert to Islam or we kill you. So you can imagine they started stressing and striving and having a cadenza, a nervous breakdown. But they heard of a man of God in another town, a a Christian, a very committed Christian, who was a shoemaker. True story. So about a week to go, they heard about this man of God. They went to him, and he was a one-eyed shoemaker. And this sounds weird. And so you ask yourself, why was he one-eyed? Well, he was doing a woman's shoe, and her dress fell open, and he was so convicted (laughs) that... The Bible says if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He plucked out his eye. True story. So they take him and and he says, like, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to get rid of this mountain? They said, well, everyone says of all the men of God that are known, you are a great man of God. So this is like, I don't know if it was a day or a few days to go. They take him out to their town and he sees this mountain and In faith, he says, Lord, in the name of Jesus, mountain, be removed. And the moment he prayed, an earthquake took place. And the whole mountain sunk and was flattened. And when the imam and all the Muslim soldiers came and saw this, guess what happened? They all converted to Christianity. Isn't that amazing? And to verify the story, my friend phoned the bishop of, of Baghdad, who's an Anglican, just to verify the story. And he said, yes, it's a true story. God is no respecter of persons. If he can do it for the one-eyed shoemaker, he can do it for you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. God doesn't have favorites. In fact, we are all his favorites. One of my friends in South Africa said, you know what? I know God doesn't have favorites, but I'm sure I'm one of his favorites. And that's a revelation and the conviction we need to have, that we are God's favorites. He favors you. He loves you. He wants to use you. He wants to empower you. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants you to have a wonderful life. A wonderful family, a wonderful marriage, a wonderful career, a wonderful ministry. He wants you to be financially blessed. How many of you want to be millionaires in the name of Jesus? Dollar millionaires. I personally want to be a a pound millionaire. Just, it's a bit of a joke. Okay, the currency is better there. (laughs) But how many of you want to be multi-millionaires? How many of you want to be millionaires in the tens of millions, the hundreds of millions? How many billionaires do we have in the house? Now, God will do that for you if you will use it for the gospel. He will do it for you. If you want to see souls saved. There is a world out there that needs salvation. And God isn't using angels to preach the gospel. He's only using the angel next to you. 
Amen. For you married people, that was a good opportunity to say amen. Because you're sitting next to an angel. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Genesis chapter 1. I'm just going to read a bit from the word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering. How long was he hovering? We don't know. All we know is that he was hovering. And then it said, in verse 3, Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6, and God said, verse 9, and God said, verse 11, God said, verse 14, God said, verse 20, God said, verse 24, God said. Every time God said, let there be, it was. Creation kicked into action. You see, God spoke and the Holy Spirit went about doing whatever had to happen. God created just by speaking the word. Right now, the Holy Spirit is hovering over your house, over your school, over your work, over every prison in this whole world, every old age home, convalescent home, every orphanage, every prison, every prostitute, every den of iniquity. The Holy Spirit is hovering over that chaos. And when a man or woman of God, you and I, go there and preach the gospel, something will happen. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will come into that place. People will cry out, Jesus, Son of God, save us. I've seen it so many times in my ministry. We went to a juvenile prison in Johannesburg, 230 boys under 18. A quarter of them were in, were in for murder. The rest of them housebreaking, burglary, armed robbery. As I walked in, the one boy said, give me money. I said, I haven't got any. He said, I'm going to knife you if you don't give me. This was a serious, hardcore. This wasn't a holiday camp for, for, for juveniles. This was a serious, hardcore place. So we had a, a stage over there. And one of our musicians and my gospel artist, he was singing. But they, to be honest, they weren't interested. In hearing the gospel, they were all in the yard. The yard was a massive yard. And even though I had a sound system that was loud, they weren't interested. The Lord, <laughs> he's so gracious. This was totally unorganized. But one of the ministers in the government came to that juvenile prison on that day with a very famous rapper. Not even a Christian. So the rapper gets up. They're not even expecting our stage or sound system. The rapper just came there to try and encourage the boys. The rapper got up. He did his, I don't even know how to do it. They did their thing. Drew knows how to do it. Some of you know how to rap. And then the rapper left. I ran up on that stage and I said, hello guys. And uh, <laughs> I said, you know, I too, when I was a young boy, was very naughty. And I went through the worst things. I'm too embarrassed to share them with you. But with those guys, I, I had to, my street credibility had to go up a few notches. So, my, my, so I told them what I used to do. And I said, the only difference between you and I is you got caught, I got off. 
And I said, can I be honest with you guys? I know you were, were all going for it when the rapper was doing his thing and you were all driving and singing and dancing and you knew all the songs. But to be honest with you, famous people could care less if you live or die. How many famous people have ever phoned you on your birthday or come to visit you here in prison? And you guys follow them, you love them, but I wanna share about a man that will love you unconditionally, about a man that will change your life around. And I preach the gospel and probably 90 to 95% of those kids, boys, receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Isn't that amazing? Of the 230, 240, I mean, over 200 got saved. And there are five churches that work in that prison that hardly see any of the boys saved. So there was a great revival that day in Dayambu prison. You know what? God can use you as well. If he can use me, he can use you. All you need to do is be available. That is point number one. Be available. If you're not available, God can't use you. He loves you. You're going to go to heaven. You're precious and valuable in His sight, but He can't use you. God gets behind a moving object. Imagine you're a businessman, and some of you are, or you're in a business, and you're the CEO, and one of your sales reps has a bad attitude, hardly comes to meetings, Hardly gives reports, but he's the best salesman on the team by 10. Everyone put together equal 100, he's getting you 1,000 units a month. Guess what? As a CEO, you love that guy. He's bringing in the sales, and you will back him. Whatever he needs, you're going to give it to him. Well, with the Lord, he gets behind a moving object as well. So as you step out the boat to be used by God to preach the gospel, to pray for the sick, to cast out evil spirits, to minister to people, the power of the Holy Spirit, He will make available to you. So when I get scared in the natural, what am I going to say, Lord, give me boldness to walk up to that guy, to walk up to that person? I often feel what Peter must have felt getting out the boat. There was a huge storm, waves were crashing, thunder, lightning, the visibility was terrible. Most of the disciples were fishermen. They thought they were going to die. Then Jesus starts appearing to them. They think maybe it's a ghost. Are they seeing things? Did they eat some bad pizza? Are they hallucinating? What's the deal? And Peter's the only one with enough guts. He said, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. Jesus says, come. Peter got out the boat, and many people think he walked on the water, and he did. But in fact, he walked on the revelation of the word, come. He kept his eyes on Jesus. He got out the boat. He must have known, even if I sink, Jesus will save me. He looked at the waters, he got fearful, and he began to sink, and Jesus saved him. That's what faith is. Faith is getting out the boat and doing what God has called you to do. And the wonderful thing about the Lord is he uses you in spite of you. 
No matter what you look like, no matter how much money's in the bank, no matter your connections, no matter how talented you think you are or not, if you will trust in Jesus and step out the boat, he will use you to save souls. He will use you to pray for the sick. He will use you to cast out evil spirits. In the natural, I know myself. I know I can't do all these things, but I trust in his word. I yield to the Holy Spirit and he uses me. And when he uses me, I know it's not me. I live with myself. I know I can't do those things. Being a Christian is exciting. Serving the Lord is exciting. It's adventurous. So when people in the world that are crazy on drugs, doing crazy things, think that becoming a Christian is going to be a boring existence, far from it. It's more exciting following the Lord than serving the devil. You get to walk on the water with Jesus, amen? It's, it's fun preaching the gospel and seeing people saved. It's fun, yet terrifying, casting out evil spirits. You see it on Hollywood, all the supernatural. People in the world, they want the supernatural. They, they know about the supernatural. Harry Potter and, and all these supernatural movies that they're making, people in the world love it. So we mustn't shy away from it. We must tap into it. We must be anointed by the Holy Spirit and flow with it. In our crusades in South Africa, I was shocked in my first big crusade when a 10-year-old crippled boy got out the wheelchair. I prayed in the name of Jesus, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, crippled people rise up and walk. A few minutes later, you know, when we had the healing line at the side of the stage, this 10-year-old boy came up on stage. His mother was crying. She was besides herself, emotional, crying. Ah, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus healed my son. I mean, you could see this was a genuine thing. And from the waist downwards, his body was anorexic thin because he never walked. And as he was walking, he was shaking. They were carrying the wheelchair. That is the power of God. That's the power of God. And you know what? That power is available to you. That power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. You just need to believe it. The currency of heaven is faith. It's faith. And yes, study to show yourself approved. Go on every course you can. Read the word of God. Go to church. Go to conferences. That's great. That's how you build yourself up. But to step out the boat and do the works of God, that requires faith. And how do you get that faith? When you spend time with Jesus, you get faith. When you spend time with the master, you get faith. Remember Peter and John? They, Peter prayed for that crippled guy. He got healed. Everyone was in amazement. Then he preached the gospel. Thousands got saved. Instead of getting, you know, uh, a big honorarium and, uh, and, and acclaim and his face on Charisma magazine, he, he, he went to and Time magazine. They threw him in front of the Sanhedrin. And, and this was the same Peter that denied Jesus a, a, few, a few weeks before. What was the difference? He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he encountered 
the living, resurrected Jesus. They beat them up and then they threatened them. They said, if you preach in that name, you know what's going to happen. But you know what they said? We cannot help but preach the gospel. And the Bible says something. I love it. It's one of the greatest one-liners in the Bible. It says they noticed that they had been with Jesus and that they were unskilled men because they were probably throwing a million scriptures their way and they were just preaching about Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus, boldness comes into you. Faith comes into you. So if you want that boldness, spend time with the Lord. Amen. That's my introduction. <laughs> the Lord also wants us to have compassion. What is compassion? Compassion is love in action. Compassion is seeing people the way Jesus sees them, as valuable and precious. Matthew 14, 14, it says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. When Jesus sees sick people, he's moved. When we see sick people in the mall or in, in a stadium or wherever we go, someone with a wheelchair, someone who's crippled, someone who's blind, someone who maybe has tubes in their throats, we need to be moved with compassion. And then we need to step out in faith and pray for them. And that thought will always come, what if nothing happened? What if nothing happens? Does that thought ever come to you? So you mean the same devil that speaks to me speaks to you? Okay. The same devil in Africa is the same devil in America, it seems. But what if something does happen? And many times we see it happen. Cripples get out of wheelchairs. I one crusade in Tembisa which is a township on the outskirts of Johannesburg. We had like a mass crusade, a few thousand people, and then I got up to pray for the sick. And we always do a mass prayer in the name of Jesus. Blind eyes open, crippled people walk. We come, cancer, we rebuke you, come out in Jesus' name. And a woman came up and testified that she had cancer in the breast and the lump is gone. And we were all singing and dancing and rejoicing. The chairman of the crusade was a doctor in the township. And the woman that came up was one of his clients, patients. But she didn't have the money for the operation. So she said, Jared and his team, they come into Tembisa, come to the crusade, and let's trust the Lord for your healing. Guess what? Dr. Jesus operated on that poor African lady, and that cancer was removed. Now, I'm not telling you these things so you'll think, wow, that's so amazing how God uses you. He can use you the same. The Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He wasn't just speaking to the apostles. He wasn't just speaking to some of the elites in the church. He was speaking to all the believers. All the believers. It's God's will that every believer operates in miracle signs and wonders. It's not just for the mighty evangelist to do. It's for every single Christian. If you spend time with Jesus, you will do the same. 
Another crusade was in a place called Alexandra in, in South Africa. And my mother used to work at a bank. And one of the guards in the bank was deaf in his, in his ear. He testifies 10 or 15 policemen came. I don't know what he did wrong, but they hit him and they, they burst his eardrum. My mother gave him a flyer for the crusade. At the crusade, I was praying, in the name of Jesus, deaf ears open. The power of God went into his ear. His ear popped open like popcorn. Opened up. He came up and testified. The Lord did that miracle. And one of Ronald Bonke's uh, directors was at that crusade. And she was like, oh, I'm so looking forward to the miracles that are going to take place. I'm like, Lord Jesus, please help me. <laughs> and now Ronald Bonke's directors, you know, they're expecting all these miracles. But that's when I saw it's not me. It's faith in Jesus is what gets that miracle. Jesus had some friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Word came to Jesus that, Mary, that Lazarus was sick. Jesus spent two more days in the village. Then he came, and, and they said, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. I want to read to you what happened. John eleven thirty two. And when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him in John eleven thirty two. She fell down at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews that came weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. This was a very emotional plea to Jesus. Jesus saw Mary who he loved. Martha, who he loved, Lazarus, who he loved, but Lazarus was now dead. And listen to what it says in verse 35. Jesus wept. Jesus had compassion on Mary, on Martha. Jesus has compassion on you. He loves you. He cares for you. You are valuable and precious to him. And Jesus has compassion on your family. Even if they blaspheme his name, curse his name. He has compassion on the people in your neighborhood, your next door neighbor, your doctor, your lawyer, your accountant, your plumber, the people you work with, strangers that you meet. He has compassion on them. And that compassion that Jesus had, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He, he said, Lazarus, come forth. You know why I had to say, Lazarus, come forth? Because if he just said, come forth, all the dead would have come forth. That's how much faith Jesus had. He had to say, Lazarus, come forth. And it said, Lazarus came forth, and then they unwrapped Lazarus. What happened there? He must have been like, just floating. We serve a miracle working God. I've only got a few minutes left, so I'm really going to wrap it up. Number three, he wants to empower us with boldness. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Number four, what did they preach? They preached the gospel about Jesus. Number five, 
They went everywhere and preached the gospel. The next point, they were persecuted. But they didn't care that they were persecuted. They didn't care if they were locked up. Some of them were martyred. Some of them gave their lives for the gospel. They traveled far and wide. Their Jewish family, like some of mine, probably cut them off, excommunicated them. They were an embarrassment to the family, but they didn't care. They knew Jesus. Peter and John, they were locked up in prison. Then they were let go. They went back to their their fellowship and they prayed an amazing prayer. And this is my final part. Acts chapter 4, 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they had heard that, they raised up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth stood their ground and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and purpose determined before to be done. Now this is the, 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 the awesome part. Now Lord, look at their threats. And grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. I want to pray for you today that the Lord will fill you with boldness by the power of his Holy Spirit. But before I do, maybe some of you have never made that decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've heard about him, you've gone to church, you've had a religious upbringing, you know about Jesus, but you've never trusted in Jesus for your salvation. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, that blood has atoning powers to take all your sins away. Being a good person can't take your sins away. Even if you give millions to charity and the church, they can't even take one of your sins away. All your righteous works, according to Isaiah, are like filthy rags. So even the good things we do that we think are so great that are earning us brownie points, if we think that's going to get us into heaven, those are like filthy rags. That's like saying, Jesus, you don't... You didn't have to go through all that on the cross. There's something I can do to get into heaven. Thank you for what you did, but there's something I can do. So right now, I want to invite everyone to please close your eyes. If the worship band can please come up. Maybe you were invited by a friend today. Maybe you just find yourself you're even thinking, how did I get here? Well, God had a divine appointment in store for you today. He loves you, he cares for you, and he's reaching out to you. And if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today you can do it for the first time. 
Or maybe one time in your life you used to follow Jesus, you used to live for him. But things have happened in your life that have distracted you from following Jesus. But today you want to recommit your life to him. While everyone's eyes are closed, no one looking around, please. Because it's a very holy moment in your life. If you would like to receive Jesus for the first time or recommit your life to him, if you believe in your heart that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead on the third day, and you believe that Jesus is alive, and you want to give your life to him for the first time, or you want to recommit your life to him. Maybe you've run away from him. You may have turned your back on him, but he's never turned his back on you. His word says, I'm forever married to the backslider. So if that's you, my friend, you want to receive Jesus or recommit your life to him, I want you to quickly put up your hand. Quickly put up your hand. I see that 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 hand. Don't be shy. Today is your day of salvation. You are valuable and precious to God. If you put up your hand, quickly stand to your feet. You're not the only one, so don't be shy. Stand to your feet. Don't be shy. And come and join me here in the front, quickly. Don't be shy. Come on. We've all done this before in our lives. You just need to be brave. We love you. We love you. Amen. Please come forward. Amen. 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 Look at this beautiful family. Amen. Hello. How are you? Amen. Let's all close our eyes. Just a bit softer. Just pray, pray this prayer from your heart. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that you died on the cross to take my sins away. I believe in my heart that you were buried and on the third day you rose from the dead and you are alive. And right now I give my life to you. My spirit, my soul, and my body. Everything I have, everything I am, I give to you right now. Thank you, Jesus.